Hey y'all, it's Rachel from Smarter Teaching, here to share a latte and give you all the tools you'll need to work smarter, not harder, in your classroom. Hey teachers, readers, book enthusiasts, welcome back to Third Thursday. I'm aware it's the fourth Thursday. We were traveling last week um, when it was actually third Thursday, and I intended had intended to be organized enough to um, get this up before we left, but the boys were on summer vacation, and we just ended up with some other commitments, and it just wasn't possible. So um, I'm bringing it to you today when it's like 102 degrees, and I don't really want to do anything except read or talk about books. Um, so... We, as I mentioned, were on our beach vacation last week, (laughs) so I'm reviewing five books this month because of our beach vacation. (laughs) Um, We were on the Amalfi Coast, and my poor children kept being like, Mama, play with us. Mama, do you want to toss this ball? Mama, do you want to build a sandcastle? I'm like, kids, it's a rock beach. We can't build a castle. And also, I super love your faces, but I really don't want to toss the ball with you because it's so hot. We can swim or you can play and I'm going to read. <laughs> um, so I'm reviewing five different books this month. Um, one nonfiction, two like thrillers, I guess, and then just to general fiction. American Kingpin, um, No Exit, Sharp Objects, The Miniaturist, and Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. So without any more blabbing it up, let's start talking about some books. The first book I read in July was American Kingpin, The Epic Hunt for the Criminal Mastermind Behind the Silk Road. This is a nonfiction book, and it was written by Nick Bilton. It has 4.3 stars on Goodreads, and uh, this, I have a true crime problem, and found this, a bunch of books I want to read are on the wait list at the library, and this like came up suggested to me or was on like a true crime book list I saw or something I forget how I found this book but I basically read it because a bunch of books I want to read are are still on hold of the library um so I read this in the meantime the summary is this the unbelievable true story of the man who built a billion dollar online drug empire from his bedroom and almost got away with it in 2011 a 26 year old libertarian programmer named Ross Ulbricht launched the ultimate free market the Silk Road, a clandestine clandestine website hosted on the dark web where anyone could trade anything, drugs, hacking software, forged passports, counterfeit cash, poisons, free of the government's watchful eye. It wasn't long before the media got wind of the new website where anyone, not just teenagers and weed dealers, but terrorists and black hat hackers, could buy and sell contraband detection free. Spurred by a public outcry, the federal government launched an epic two-year manhunt for the site's elusive proprietor, with no leads, no witnesses, and no clear jurisdiction. All the investigators knew was that whoever was running the site called himself the Dread Pirate Roberts. The Silk Road quickly ballooned into a $1.2 billion enterprise, and Ross embraced his new role as kingpin. He enlisted a loyal crew of allies in high and low places, all as addicted to the danger and thrill of running an illegal marketplace as their customers were to the heroin they sold. Through his network, he got wind of the target on his back and took drastic steps to protect himself, including ordering a hit on a former employee. As Ross made plans to disappear forever, the feds raced against the clock to catch a man they weren't sure even existed, searching for a needle in the haystack of the global internet. 
during on exclusive access to key players in 2 billion digital words and images Ross left behind, Vanity Fair correspondent and New York Times bestselling author Nick Bilton offers a tale filled with twists and turns, lucky breaks, and unbelievable close calls. It's a story of the boy, ne- boy next door's ambition gone criminal, spurred on by the clash between the new world of libertarian-leaning, anonymous, decentralized web advocates and the old world of government control, order, and the rule of law. Filled with unforgettable characters and capped by an astonishing climax, American Kingpin might be dismissed as too outrageous for fiction, but it's all too real. Uh, American Kingpin kind of blew my mind. Um, It was a really good book. It was clearly nonfiction, um, but felt as though it were fiction. Um, only in the sense of like the flow of the book, like it wasn't dry, it wasn't, um, like tedious as I feel like sometimes nonfiction can be. Um, it was, so I really enjoyed the book, but I also, the whole time I was reading this, all I could think was I was alive when this was really happening. Like, how did I have no idea about this before? So it it felt really intriguing and interesting. But at the same time, I was like, what kind of idiot am I that this happened? Like, not even that long ago. And I literally had no idea it was happening in America. And I was living in D.C. Like, I was living in the seat of the federal government at the time. Like, I don't know. I just was... The whole time I was reading it, I was truly shocked that I had never heard of this before. Um, and like I said, this only I only even read this book because I think I had searched a couple other true crime books in the library catalog, and it was like, you might like this book. And I'm like, oh, okay, I might like this book. You're right, library. Let's like just give it a try. So I read it, and really, I liked it. Um, I think I, I didn't read it. Um, but I did really like it. It's an easy read. The, I mean, I hesitate to use the word characters because they're all real people. But I felt like they were like they were compelling. Like it wasn't. This definitely was not a boring nonfiction read. Um, and it was really interesting because basically the whole premise, like, is that this kid is a libertarian and he's like wouldn't it be cool if people could anonymously buy online all of this shit that they're not sorry all of this stuff that they're not allowed to buy because the government regulates it so it was really he like had this idea before um bitcoin and but he was like how would we ever do this because you can't like it wouldn't be anonymous if you had to use like your bank card or your credit card or whatever, because obviously people can track that. So there's no way that this would be successful without an anonymous currency and who's going to really trust someone else to send them some cash. So he had the idea before Bitcoin, but didn't really, couldn't really um, move on it until someone created Bitcoin. Um, And so it was just a real, I mean, I thought the whole thing was super interesting. He got, um, I forget which magazine now, but like there was one magazine who originally did this story about him. The whole thing was super interesting. He like his second guy whose name I'm totally blanking on right now, like his, um, associate, his like number two guy, a couple times tried to like pump the brakes and say that they shouldn't dabble in certain things. Like he was really opposed to heroin, but, um, the guy who created the website Ross Ulbricht um 
was like, you know, we kind of have to like the whole, the whole point is like uninhibited free access to everything. So we, they, I mean, they ended up having like guns on their, uh, no, they weren't opposed to guns, but they had a hard time because you can't mail guns. So guns ended up being, um, difficult for them, but like they were mailing drugs. They were mailing, um, I think they sold organs for a while on this website. I mean, it was totally wild. And I was just baffled that I never had even heard of this before. Um, and it was really interesting. Uh, so the guy, Ross Ulbricht, declined to be interviewed for this book, as did his parents. But a lot of the other people who were involved, um, like the federal agents, um, his longtime girlfriend, several people um, like were involved, and he also had was able to have access to like Ross's online or digital journal. Um, so he also had access to Ross's digital journal, and was able to use that kind of to fill in the gaps. Um, so I don't really want to give away the end, although I sort of think you probably know because it's nonfiction. Um, but it was interesting, a couple of the reviews on Goodreads get into like the feelings of his family on this book. And I thought that was also really interesting. So if you're into true crime or you're just looking for like a light nonfiction, I would totally recommend this. I would maybe give it like four stars. It feels comfortable. Um, and I read it pretty quickly. Uh, I don't remember exactly how long it took me, but it was an easy, not like it was an easy semi-late nonfiction read. I would recommend it to a friend. I also read No Exit by Taylor Adams. Um, this book has been popping up a lot in a Facebook book recommendation group that I'm part of. And, uh, I had reserved it from the library and it came up, um, this book has just a touch over four stars average on Goodreads, and this is totally inconsequential, but I totally thought the author, Taylor Adams, was a girl until I was reading maybe the afterward or something in the book, um, where it turns out that it's not a, it's a dude author. Um, so that's kind of like an interesting, I don't know, not really a twist, but that was surprising to me after reading the book. Anyway, here's the summary. On her way to Utah to see her dying mother, college student Darby Thorne gets caught in a fierce blizzard in the mountains of Colorado. With the roads impassable, she's forced to wait out the storm at a remote highway rest stop. Inside are some vending machines, a coffee maker, and four complete strangers. Desperate to find a signal to call home, Darby goes back out into the storm and makes a horrifying discovery. In the back of the van, parked next to her car, a little girl is locked in an animal crate. Who is the child? Why has she been taken? And how can Darby save her? There is no cell phone reception, no telephone, and no way out. One of her fellow travelers is a kidnapper. But which one? Trapped in an increasingly dangerous situation with a child's life and her own on the line, Darby must find a way to break the girl out of the van and escape. But who can she trust? The next book I read this month was No Exit, which is sort of like a thriller type book. Um, I guess I suppose you would just categorize it as a thriller. Um, it has four stars on Goodreads and a bunch of reviews. It's popped up a couple in um, like a Facebook group that like a book recommendation group that I'm part of, as well as on um, a couple Instagram feeds of 
people who I follow who like recommend books on Instagram. So I had reserved it from the library and it came up this month. Um, I read it. I actually almost abandoned this book. Um, the whole book takes place, the whole plot takes place in like 12 or so hours, like 12 to 14 hours. Um, and the book is like 280 pages. And I definitely felt for a while, like the timing was, um, like the pacing of the book was off. I just felt like I had been reading for a while and I, I was aware of the premise that like the whole book takes place in this short amount of time. And it just felt like a little excessive on the setup. Um, but I suppose that it's that way because, um, there are some like surprising twists and I don't, I don't know. This book, uh, has, like I said, it has been recommended a lot. So I wanted to read it and I felt like there were several surprising twists within the book. Um, but ultimately the ending to me felt really abrupt and, um, I just, it wasn't a bad book, but I, I, if for me, it was like a very three star book. Like, I'm certainly not going to tell people not to read this book, but I'm also not going to go out and tell anybody like, oh my gosh, I just read this great book called No Exit. It was, like I said, it wasn't a bad book by any stretch of the imagination, but for me, it was just like a total three star book. Like it was fine. I'm not mad that I read it. Um, I did almost abandon it because of the weird pacing, but, uh, I ultimately powered through and I felt fine about it. Like I said, the ending felt abrupt, but it wasn't like I didn't, I didn't buy any of it. I, I was on board with like the way that everything played out. It, it felt fine. Um, I just feel like this is a very middle of the road, three star book. You're not going to feel sad if you read it. I mean, you might really enjoy it. You might enjoy it more than me, but I just, it wasn't the best book I read this month, especially in a book where I read five month book uh, in a month where I read five books and there was a lot of steep competition. <laughs> I also read Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn, perhaps Gillian, I think Gillian. Um, this book, she also read, um, wrote Gone Girl, which came out kind of a while ago and I remember reading it when it first came out and was like everybody was talking about it and it was super popular and I really liked it. Um, I recently also read her other book, uh, Dark Places, maybe. Um, and then this month I read Sharp Objects. Um, like I said, it has just a touch under four stars on Goodreads. And um, this is the summary. Fresh from a brief stay at a psych hospital, reporter Camille Preaker faces a troubling assignment. She must return to her tiny hometown to cover the murders of two preteen girls. For years, Camille has hardly spoken to her neurotic, hypochondriac mother or to the half-sister she barely knows, a beautiful 13-year-old with an eerie grip on the town. Now, installed in her old bedroom in her family's Victorian mansion, Camille finds herself identifying with the young victims, a bit too strongly. Dogged by her own demons, she must unravel the psychological puzzle of her own past if she wants to get the story and survive this homecoming. I also read Sharp Objects this month. 
um, which I suppose would also be, I don't know, I, I hesitate to say mystery because whenever I categorize a book as mystery, it makes me think of like Agatha Christie where you're solving a whodunit. But I mean, they are solving a crime, which I guess in a way is a mystery. Um, and I think, as I understand it, that... Um, this, so I believe that Jillian Flynn has, well, uh, so I read Gone Girl like years and years ago when it first came out. I read Dark Places a couple months ago, and then this month I read Sharp Objects. And um, I definitely, I liked it. I will say that. Um, the average rating on Goodreads is just a touch under four stars, but I did give it four. Um, it, I also, it's a mini series, um, which I didn't know when I read it, but it has been, um, and I'm totally blanking on the actress's name, but the actress who's in it is famous, whatever. It's also a mini series. So you could read the book and then watch the mini series, or you could make a total cop out and just watch the mini series. I really liked this book. I felt like the characters, um, I always feel like one thing I noticed about I always can tell that I really enjoy a book when I have strong feelings about the characters. Um, And while I didn't totally connect with Camille because um, she's not, I think crazy is an unfair word to use, but um, the way like you find out during the book, the reason it's called sharp objects is because uh, Camille, um, like self-harms in a very specific and kind of weird way. Um, So A, if that's like, if self-harming is like a sensitive topic for you, like heads up, that's part of this book. Um, But also it just, um, it felt a little like her specific type of self-harm felt a little not believable to me, I guess. Um, but it, the whole book is really interesting. And guys, I told you before that I never write when it's a mystery slash thriller. And I totally was right. So I don't know if that means this book is too obvious. <laughs> Although I didn't see like this, the accomplice coming, but I did see like the main um, perpetrator. I was able to guess who it was. And it was, I thought that the, it was interesting. At times it felt a little slow, but I, I liked this book a lot. I really like Jillian Flynn. Um, I think, I mean, it's a little hard for me to totally assess because I read Gone Girl so long ago, but I do feel like Gone Girl is my favorite of her three, like, main thrillers. Um, and I think probably Sharp Objects is the second and Dark Places is the third, mainly because if you listen to my podcast when I read Dark Places, I just felt very frustrated by the parenting in that book. <laughs> I felt like the whole premise of that book could have been avoided if the mom had just been like more assertive and been like, don't be a D-bag, kids. We're not doing those things. Um, but I really enjoyed Sharp Objects. Um, I think that the story of like going back to your hometown and being back around all those people is really relatable. Um, and I, I don't know. I just really liked the book. I felt like, um, 
I did not love the end, and I know I harp on the end all the time, but I did I did like the book. I felt like I finally guessed who the guilty person, who the criminal was, so that was exciting. And it was just a good read. Um, although <laughs> in this same Facebook group that I'm part of, somebody was making a joke about Jillian Flynn lately. And she's like, probably if your husband, don't you think you, her husband, don't you think you sleep with one eye open? <laughs> Cause she writes these like really crazy books about female, um, female criminals. <laughs> um, so I thought that was pretty funny, but I mean, obviously this book is not funny, but I thought that it was engaging. I read it pretty quickly. Um, and it's been out for quite some time, so I'm sure that it's available at your library as well as on Amazon. Also, um, just before our vacation and onto our vacation, I read the book The Miniaturist by Jesse Burton. Just because I was looking for a book to read and my best friend from college recommended this one. And it was available at our library. Um, it has about three and a half stars on Goodreads, and it's my understanding that this was the author's um, debut book. This was her first book. So here's the summary. Set in 17th century Amsterdam, a city ruled by glittering wealth and oppressive religion, a masterful debut steeped in atmosphere and shimmering with mystery in the tradition of Emma Donahue, Sarah Waters, and Sarah Dennett. There is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. On a brisk autumn day in 1686, 18-year-old Nella Ortman arrives in Amsterdam to begin a new life as the wife of illustrious merchant trader Johannes Brandt. But her new home, while splendorous, is not welcoming. Johannes is kind yet distant, always locked in his study or at his warehouse office, leaving Nella alone with his sister, the sharp-tongued and forbidding Marin. But Nella's world changes when Johannes presents her with an extraordinary wedding gift, a cabinet-sized replica of their home. To furnish her gift, Nella engages the services of a miniaturist, an elusive and enigmatic artist whose tiny creations mirror their real-life counterparts in eerie and unexpected ways. Johannes's gift helps Nella to pierce the closed world of the Brand household, but as she uncovers its unusual secrets, she begins to understand and fear the escalating dangers that await them all. And this repressively pious society, where gold is worshipped second only to God, to be different is a threat to the moral fabric of society, and not even a man as rich as Johannes is safe. Only one person seems to see the fate that awaits them. Is the miniaturist the key to their salvation or the architect of their destruction? Enchanting, beautiful, and exquisitely suspenseful, the miniaturist is a magnificent story of love and obsession, betrayal and retribution, appearance and truth. I also this month read The Miniaturist. Um, this was just kind of a random selection in the sense that it wasn't like on a wait I had not been waiting for it for a long time or anything like that um this just I had finished sharp objects and nothing else that I had on hold had come up for me yet and I was just looking for a book to read and my best friend from college was like I just read the miniaturist and I liked it and so I was like okay it's available in my library I can give it a go um I will say that um, I thought this book, I think this is probably to me like another three star book. Um, people kind of had some strong feelings about it on Goodreads. People kind of, um, love it or don't, but, um, I normally really enjoy historical fiction and I don't know, this book just, 
I liked it, obviously, and read the whole thing and never really considered abandoning it. Um, but I felt like... I feel like, still, I want to know more about the miniaturist. The whole... Like, the book is called The Miniaturist. And I feel like... I I still feel like I want to know more about the miniaturist. Um... I just feel like she is the title of the book and she really affects all of the main characters, but she's like not really a character in the book, which I know sounds weird. Um, But I just felt like, I don't know, maybe I would feel differently if the book had a different title. Um, I, I feel like it's, essentially a coming of age story like the main character Nella is married uh like her father dies and um after his death his mom her mom sorry her mom realizes that basically her dad um drank away all the money like the family's money and so now they have no money and she has two younger siblings and so the mom um basically marries her off to get some money for the family. So she marries this guy who's 39 and lives in Amsterdam. She lives in like a smaller Dutch town. So she moves to Amsterdam to be um, within this, in her new family. And it's, I mean, she sort of like, I feel like it's more a coming of age story for her. And so I feel like if the book had a different title, maybe I would have felt better about it. And the miniaturist is, is definitely important. Um, I feel like she advances Nella's coming of age more than her husband or her sister-in-law. But I just felt like when the book ended, I was like, what? What's going on here? Like, I just felt like it ends with a lot of unanswered questions. It's not a bad book, but for me, again, it's like a very solid three star. Like, I'm not going to tell people to avoid this book, but I'm not really going to again, tell anybody, oh my gosh, I just read this super great book called The Miniaturist. Um, uh, I'm, I don't know. I thought it was a fine book. Like I said, nothing ventured, nothing gained. It was totally fine for me. A very average, a very three-star book. And last but not least, this past month, I read Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. This has been a book I wanted to read for a really long time. It was recommended by a good friend from high school. Um, We all really like to read. And a couple months ago, I asked people what they were reading and what they liked. And one of my good friends said she was reading this book. And I just had to wait a long time to get it from the library. But the bonus is that because I got it while we were on vacation, I was able to read it in like two or three days. Um, so that was nice. The, this book is, um, I also think this is the debut novel from Gail Honeyman, I I believe. Um, and it has just over four stars average on, um, Goodreads and it came out about two years ago. So I'm sure it's available in like physically available in libraries as well. Um, if you have your Kindle connected to your library, I'm sure you could get it there. You can sure certainly get it on Amazon and probably at local bookstores still as well. Um, So here is a summary of Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. No one's ever told Eleanor that life should be better than fine. 
Meet Eleanor Oliphant. She struggles with appropriate social skills and tends to say exactly what she's thinking. Nothing is missing in her carefully timetabled life of avoiding social interactions where weekends are punctuated by frozen pizza, vodka, and phone chats with mommy. But everything changes when Eleanor meets Raymond, the bumbling and deeply unhygienic IT guy from her office. When she and Raymond together save Sammy, an elderly gentleman who has fallen on the sidewalk, the three become the kinds of friends who rescue one another from the lives of isolation they have each been living. And it is Raymond's big heart that will ultimately help Eleanor find the way to repair her own profoundly damaged one. Soon to be a major motion picture produced by Reese Witherspoon, Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine is the smart, warm, and uplifting story of an out-of-the-ordinary heroine whose deadpan weirdness and unconscious wit make for an irresistible journey as she realizes the only way to survive is to open your heart. Okay, guys, the last book I read this month was Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine, and this... I'd had this on the waitlist at the library for a while, and it came up right before we left for vacation, so I was able to download it to my Kindle before we left, and I'm really excited. I was really excited to read it, and I totally was not disappointed. Um, I started this book, I think, on our last beach day, so our last beach day was Monday, and I finished it on Tuesday by the time we were home, so I read it pretty quickly. Um, but I mean, to be fair, I had like a beach day, a flight and like in a flight in there. So it was easy to get big chunks of reading time. Um, people had slated this as a funny book and I definitely think that it is, although not a hundred percent in the way that I was expecting. I just think it's really, um, Eleanor is very, as the, at the beginning of the book, she's pretty, uh, socially awkward and, she is just like overly formal and stiff um and so she's just pretty funny in a lot of social situations like she'll just say what she's thinking um instead of um maybe like something a little more appropriate (laughs) but I really liked this book um I found Eleanor to be a really charming character she's really funny um and I felt like even though she's really awkward, I also thought that she was really relatable in the sense that she's a woman in her, I think she's 30 in the book, but I mean, every, I think that every girl has kind of been in the place where Eleanor is in the book where she's been in her job for a long time and she hasn't really thought through what she wants to do with the rest of her life and then gets um, distracted for a while and makes some side plans like she just gets like some serious tunnel vision and then um comes out the other side so uh the main so Eleanor um is really awkward and part of her um background is that she basically grew up in foster care like moved town to town from family to family sorry not town to town she moved family family to family and um I think at one point was placed back like was placed back into an orphanage or something like that because um the family she was with like couldn't have her anymore so that's part of her backstory and there was a crime and it's sort of like an undertone throughout the whole book um she refers to it 
throughout the whole first chunk of the book, the whole like first two thirds, I guess almost. And then, um, after this like defining life moment, she realizes that she kind of needs to figure out exactly like what happened to her, what happened that night, like that the crime took place. And, um, there's, they find, she and Raymond, the IT guy, find these two news articles about the event, and that's all they can find. And um, one of them led, to, one of the news articles drops, like, a really big plot twist on the whole book. And I would have 100% given this book five stars without that plot twist. It just felt like, for me, that plot twist took it from, like, Eleanor being a regular person with some tough times to Eleanor being really out of touch with reality and not coping, um, which totally happens to people all the time. But I just felt like that wasn't um, right now. I am reading um, Rising Strong by Brene Brown, and uh, I am always really on board for her message but have had a really hard time finishing her books in the past and I'm doing okay on this one. So I'm feeling optimistic and I'm really excited because I have a couple books that I've been on the wait list literally for like six months, um, should be coming up soon. So they're books that I really want to read. So I'm pretty excited about that. So stay tuned for the third Thursday in August. I'm hopefully reviewing a couple of really good books. Um, and if you stuck with me so far for all of this, thank you. <laughs> there was a lot of books to review this month. Um, hopefully you came away with another book you can read. Um, if you ever have differing opinions on one of the books I'm re- I've read, you can find me on Instagram at Smarter Teaching. Love to hear DMs or just comments about books that people are reading. Um, or you can... Uh, yeah, DMs are the best <laughs> about books. Um, and I hope that if you're also living in Western Europe, that you're surviving this heat wave and staying cool. If you're in the U.S., I hope that you're enjoying the end of your summer break by going to the pool, by doing the things that you like to do most about summer, and um, that everyone is reading really great books. I'll see you next month. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.